It's not uncommon for us to use calorie tracking apps as a means to collect data around our calorie and macronutrient intake, how to factor in our movement, our sleep, and help us create more awareness around our existing nutrition and lifestyle behaviors. And it's no secret that we're huge fans of this data collection process in our Smart Nutrition Coaching Program to help our clients get great results. But, as with everything, the devil's in the details. And if you aren't aware of some of the inherent errors in this data collection process, you could easily find yourself spinning your wheels. In this episode, I'll break down five reasons why your calorie tracking apps can be deceptive and exactly what you should be looking for to ensure you're not wasting your time. If this is your first episode, thanks for being here. And if you've been a longtime listener, it's always great to have you back. Either way, I applaud you for caring enough about your health to take the time to learn. It's the best way and the only way for us to be in control of our health, to set an example for our friends and family, and invariably help make the world a better, healthier place. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right in. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. In this episode, we're going to be talking about five reasons why your calorie tracking apps are deceiving you. And so I had a client reach out to me the other day. And for those of you that aren't in our Smart Nutrition Coaching Program, just to give you a little bit of insight about how the process works is we leverage calorie tracking as a very important tool to help us understand our client's calorie intake. Now, obviously, if you're working to lose weight or lose body fat, as we've discussed multiple times on the show, then obviously you need to figure out ways to create a calorie calorie deficit. The best way to create a calorie deficit is to first and foremost, in our opinion, understand what your current calorie intake looks like by virtue of tracking through a calorie tracking app. And then based on that data, then we can help you make informed decisions around how to create such a deficit. And there's a you know, hundred different ways to create a deficit. Obviously we can do, you know, keto, or we can do intermittent fasting, or we can just go low carb, or we can do some other kind of dieting methodology. Now, if you've been listening to me for any period of time, then you clearly know that that is not our philosophy. Instead, we want to work directly with our clients to get a better understanding of their lifestyle and help them make better decisions based on said lifestyle based on their existing skills and habits and existing knowledge. And that can come from a lot of different avenues. And so that's why having that data is so important. But one of my clients reached out to me recently and what she observed as many clients have, and perhaps if you've tracked your calories for any period of time, you've observed discrepancies between possibly the macronutrient intake of your foods 
and the total calorie composition of those foods. And one of the things that we see consistently through apps like MyFitnessPal, or we specifically use Chronometer, is we see these discrepancies between the macronutrients, which are is the, the, the protein, the carbs, and the fats in the food, and the calorie intake. And so what that would look like for someone would be saying if there's a food label and it says, you know, the food is 200 calories as an example, but we were to actually add up the macronutrients. So the calories from specifically the protein, the carbs and the fats. Well, what we would find oftentimes, and it certainly depends on the food, but what we see is that there often can be a discrepancy between what the macronutrients are in terms of how many calories the macronutrients equate to and how many calories the package says it has. So I'm going to give you an example here and hopefully help you understand why these discrepancies exist and how to essentially factor them in, in addition to some of the other variables that we need to pay attention to when it comes to calorie tracking, because as with everything else, anytime we're collecting data in any field, anytime we're doing research, there's always what we call confounding variables, right? There's variables that are going to influence the data that we're collecting. And if we're not taking those things into account, then it certainly can skew the data. For example, if you weigh yourself on a daily basis, maybe you have the understanding that you should weigh yourself at the same time of day because our fluids will fluctuate from day to day. For a female, as an example, if she were to weigh herself you know, one week at 7 a.m. and the next week at 7 a.m. and the next week she's on her menstrual cycle and she weighs herself at 7 a.m. and the weight is substantially different, but there's been no change potentially in her calorie intake as an example. Well, we also know that there's natural hormonal fluctuations. Well, that can be a confounding variable. Or if you weigh yourself at different times of day, as an example, well, then there's going to be confounding variables around how much food have you consumed? How much water have you consumed? Did you exercise? How much did you sweat? Did you travel? What are your stress levels? So on and so forth. So it's important that we don't look at these calorie tracking apps as the end-all be-all, but we do understand what those confounding variables can look like so that we can try and be as accurate as possible with the data collection process. So as I alluded to is one of my clients sent me her tracking form, her intake form. And what we saw was that the calories in her app were essentially significantly higher than what was reported Okay, based on which our check-in sheets are based on her macronutrients, her protein, carbs, and fats. And what we know with macronutrients, if we were to look at a, a label, I'm, gonna, I'm like looking for something to, to show you, but you're probably listening to this, but imagine a, a food label, if you will. Well, obviously on the food labels, you're going to see total calorie intake. But then when you look down the label, you're going to see fat and you're going to see calories from fat or grams of fat. You're going to see grams of protein, and you're going to see grams of carbohydrate. Well, we know that fat has nine calories per gram, protein has four calories per gram, and carbohydrate has four calories per gram. So theoretically, if we were to simply take the fat so let's say there's 10 grams of fat in this product, right? We multiply that by nine, that would be 90 calories. And then of course we have to add in the calories from protein and from carbohydrates. So whatever, maybe there's 10 grams of protein times four is 40 calories and another 10 grams of carbs times four calories per gram is another 40 calories. So we have 80, 90, so we have 170 calories. Well, here's where 
the discrepancy lies. Food manufacturers are allowed based on FDA regulations to have up to a 20% discrepancy between the actual calories in the food and what they actually put on the label, right? So if a food is, well, I'll give you this, this exact example is she had recorded a day and what we saw was clearly there was a discrepancy between that day in terms of the macronutrients and the calories. And what we saw specifically was one food, and this happened to be like a keto cereal. And if I'm recalling correctly, the keto cereal said that it had 220 calories per serving. Now, when I started to go through and do the math, what we found was that based on the macronutrients, so when I calculated the the fat, the protein, and the carbohydrate that was listed on the label, again, these food companies are allowed to have a discrepancy, potentially up to 20%. Now, in this case, the label said 220 calories. When I calculated it, it was 290 calories. So a 70 calorie difference, I think that's at least 25% difference. And so this is a really important lesson in food tracking and calorie tracking, because when we would be tracking that food, all you would theoretically need to do is scan the label And it would automatically input that food into my fitness pal or chronometer at 220 calories, which is all good and well until we realize that, well, if we're getting an extra 90 calories from this one serving of food, well, what else are we getting from other foods, particularly packaged foods? Again, because there is oftentimes a difference between the calories that are presented on the label and how many calories are actually in that package. So it's really, really important that if you are tracking your calories, uh, that you are aware of this, essentially this, this calculation, that you are aware of the margin for error there and you're factoring that in. Now, that's also another really important reason, particularly in our program, that we recommend more what we call single ingredient food intake. And that just as the name implies is obviously we want to be consuming more foods that don't come with labels, right? Like apples and oranges and asparagus and broccoli and strawberries and, you know, meat sources, right? Animals that are close to more of their natural form, if you will, that have minimal ingredients, because clearly you can understand as an example, the more processed, more packaged foods that you consume, well, obviously the bigger the margin for error can be with that tracking process. And so it's nothing's hundred percent accurate, especially in the nutrition and exercise space. And thinking that we are going to be able to track all of these foods with pure accuracy, it just simply isn't the case. So that really is number one, is the inaccurate data based on food labeling, right? Now, number two is inaccurate data based on user input. Now, here's where if you've ever used something like MyFitnessPal, I think the vast majority of the data that's input into MyFitnessPal is user-entered data. So it's not uncommon for you to search a food and potentially see that 
it has far more calories than you thought possible, far less protein, far more fat, so on and so forth. And the reason for this is, well, one, that certainly could be the case, but two is the person who has entered this data could frankly have no idea what they're doing. And so for you to choose that food simply because then, you know, it had the same name or something like that uh, could could potentially put you in a situation where, again, the accuracy of the data is far from correct. So with that said is if you are tracking, I would suggest using a tracking app uh, similar to uh, what we use, Chronometer, specifically because the majority of the data is based on USDA guidelines. And then within that is I would also strongly encourage that you are kind of cross-referencing. If you're unsure about a food input, then you're cross-referencing these things based on USDA food guidelines. And there's a specific website from the USDA.gov. I'll post the link in the show notes here, but I would encourage you to go check out this website and just plug in a few of the foods like chicken breast, as an example, like broccoli, like potato, you know, yellow potato or new potato or whatever, plug those in just so you can get an idea of what that looks like, the data that they're giving you. And then you can cross-reference that to the specific app that you're using. And if the data that you are using is inaccurate, then you can create your own entries. So that's another big one. Again, if you are going to be tracking, then you might as well be tracking as accurately as possible. Now, the third reason why uh, your calorie tracking apps are deceiving you is I've encountered a lot of people that want to be able to leverage their fitness devices. So their Fitbit or their Apple Watch or their Aura Ring or whatever it is as a means to uh, determine how many calories they're burning on a daily basis. And that in and of itself is trying to determine our calorie expenditure is grossly ineffective, I should say. And the reason for this is because all of us are so biochemically different, metabolically different uh, size, weight, shape, muscle mass, body composition, body fat levels, digestion of foods, thermogenesis, the breakdown of foods and leveraging calories through that breakdown to the degree that it is truly uh, very, very difficult, if not impossible for an algorithm, uh, just a general algorithm in a watch to be able to track the intensity of the exercise, the duration of the exercise, and so on and so forth, which essentially what I'm saying is any of that data that's calculated. So for example, you go and do a run and it says you burned 500 calories, right? That's terribly inaccurate. We know this because when we compare this data to actual like uh, metabolic rate test. So if you were to hook yourself up to a metabolic card and have a, a you know oxygen or gas exchange mask on, that's basically collecting CO2 uh, and nitrogen expiration that could essentially tell you the sort of the percentages of, of protein, carb, and fat that you're burning based on different intensities of exercise. Well, when we kind of compare that data, we know very clearly that the numbers that these apps are coming up with, again, are just uh, grossly irrelevant. And so when we leverage that data, try and leverage that data into a calorie tracking app and theoretically say, well, because I just burned 
500 calories running. Therefore, I can eat an extra 500 calories and still create this balance in terms of my energy output and my energy input. Well, it's not a good idea to look at things that way. And I've spoken on, and, and I think this is going to bring us right into the, the next uh, reason here, which is calories in versus calories out. But I've spoken on the reason why exercise is not a good weight loss tool. And, the, and, and essentially the reason, and there was just this massive study that was released, and maybe I'll talk about this next week, but there was a massive study that was released on energy expenditure. And essentially what the study showed is just that, is exercise is not a good weight loss tool. It's not a good fat loss tool. Now, sure, it's great for health. It's great for, depending on the type of exercise, in helping us improve body composition. It's great for energy. It's great for mental health. It's great for anxiety and depression and all of those things. But it's not a good weight loss tool. And the reason for that is because our metabolism has a very unique way of adapting to the stimulus from the exercise to the degree that when we go out and exercise, it seems that there's a pretty significant level of what we call metabolic compensation that happens based on how much energy we expend. So for example, if we go out and we do a run and we burn 500 calories, well, what we would then observe if we were paying close attention and perhaps we were um, doing a gas exchange or, you know, we were, we were measuring the amount of calories that we're burning. We were measuring our metabolic rate, our heart rate. Uh, what we would see is uh, things like your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's just your basic calorie expenditure at rest, you know, maybe fidgeting. As I'm talking here, I move my hands a lot. That's something that can be considered uh, part of that neat. Uh, but what we see is that um, your body will compensate for those 500 calories expended, right? And what that could look like is we just naturally will, and we may not realize it, is we will be hungrier later on in the day. Because we went out and we burned 500 calories, we'll end up eating more throughout the day to offset that calorie expenditure. Now, also we will uh, move less. So I might be less inclined to just be standing at my desk. Maybe I'll just sit down because I feel like sitting down. Maybe I'll go take a nap. Maybe I will fidget less throughout the day. So on, maybe my uh, respiration will slow down and so on and so forth. This is essentially what the study showed. And so that's why calories in versus calories out, it's that's why not all calories are created equal. And it's a mistake trying to use a calorie tracking app as a means to try and balance these things out. Instead, what I would strongly encourage would be to say, I'm going to leverage calorie tracking app simply as a tool to get a better understanding of what my general intake looks like on, a, on an average daily basis. I'm already going to factor in, and I'm not going to record this, but I'm just going to factor in that I'm going to be physically active, right? And during times where I'm more physically active, perhaps I need to eat more calories during times when I'm less well, maybe I don't need to eat as much, but we can figure that out once we establish some of those baseline consistencies. But looking at the app to say, hey, I can eat more because I burned this many calories is not a good idea and so on and so forth. I think you, 
I think you get the idea around that. Now, the other aspect of the calorie tracking process essentially is that not all food is trackable. And I suppose it is trackable to some degree, but do we really want or should we be actually tracking our food all the time? And I would strongly encourage the answer to that be no. I don't think it's necessary to, nor should you have to track your foods all of the time. Tracking is simply a, an effective tool, again, to help you create more awareness around what it is that you're consuming. Because if in fact your goal is weight loss, if in fact your goal is fat loss, then you're going to need to find a way to create a calorie deficit. And as I alluded to, you can do things like um, intermittent fasting. You can do things like Optavia and frankly, stupid bars and shakes and things that are going to set you up for disaster down the road. Or you could simply leverage your existing nutrition habits, get a a clear look at what it is that you're currently doing. And then based on what it is that you're currently doing, uh, basically make some very uh, systematic and structured and strategic changes to your calorie intake by virtue of, well, now that I've tracked for a couple of weeks, I clearly see that alcohol is a problem for me uh, by virtue of the fact that I'm consuming an extra 2000 calories a week from alcohol. So if I were to just simply cut the alcohol in half, well, I could be losing you know, a quarter pound a week in conjunction with maybe I'll just commit to eating one or two more meals at home per week. And then maybe I save myself another 1500 to 2000 calories. And before you know it on paper, that could be a pound a week of difference. So that's really where the tracking process comes in is because when it comes to fat loss, there's so many variables that are outside of our control. There's so many variables that have to do with gut health, that have to do with stress, that have to do with sleep and blood sugar regulation and insulin sensitivity and travel and social settings and all of these types of things that can potentially get in the way that if you're serious about the weight loss and the fat loss process, well, then you need to do everything in your power to control as many of those variables as you can. Now, as I alluded to, tracking isn't the end all be all. And even though we're tracking data within this process, as I said, there's confounding variables. There's still things that are outside of our control, like FDA labeling requirements or lack thereof, right? There's still the fact that different foods have different caloric values based on the processing of those foods, how ripe the foods are, the cooking processes, and so on and so forth. But coming back to should we be tracking all the time? The answer is no. However, when you've given yourself the opportunity to learn how to track effectively, to get a better idea of how those foods are are coming into your intake how you're managing your calorie intake, whether it's serving you, whether it's not, then you're in a position to truly audit if, when, and how much you can and want to be able to track to the degree that then when you do want to go away for Labor Day weekend, then you are in a position where you've got a much better, uh, essentially intuitive sense around how much you should be consuming, how much you want to consume, and how to leverage the flexibility and freedom that the tracking process has 
afforded you. So I think at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, what's going to give you the best opportunity for success? And sure, there's a lot of different ways that we can approach this, but the way that we approach this through our smart nutrition coaching program is to understand that the more data that we can collect around your intake, the better it's going to help you understand uh, your current behaviors, the more it's going to help us understand not only your behaviors, but your intake, and frankly, uh, whether you're in a calorie deficit or not in conjunction with, okay, what's happening now with weight? What's happening with body circumference measurements? What's happening with pictures? And then also saying, if we have control over these variables, and we can factor in some of the biofeedback that we look at, right? Things like your hunger, your energy, your cravings, your mood, your libido, your digestion, your cognitive function. These are all factors that we look at through our pure science proven results process. This is the data collection process that we leverage to help our clients make informed decisions around their nutrition so that they can make progress from week to week and essentially build up their metabolism so that at the end of six months or at the end of a year of coaching, not only are they going to be the leanest that they've been at any point in the program, but they're also going to be in a position where they're eating the most amount of food and they have the most flexibility and freedom around uh, their nutrition. I mean, who doesn't want that? So that's why we do things the way that we do. Uh, now, it's not always easy, but we have made the process simple. So if that's something that you're interested in, we can certainly jump on a call and talk through what that would look like for you. And frankly, if the program feels like a great fit, then I'll obviously invite you to join. So hit me up. That sounds appealing to you. Just reach out to me at ben at bslnutrition.com, or you can go ahead and schedule a free nutrition strategy call at bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I hope that has been helpful for you guys. And I hope all of you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. A couple things uh, coming up that I want to inform you about. Uh, one is that we are going to be running a 21-day challenge here in the next couple of weeks. I'll be sharing more information about that. So keep your eyes in this Facebook group for more information about a free 21-day challenge. And we are going to be giving away a substantial cash prize for the winner of this challenge. So if you're in a position where you need a little bit of kick in the butt, uh, you're not ready to commit to a one-on-one -on -one coaching process uh, program just yet, then this is definitely going to be the jumpstart for you. So keep your eye on this group. And then uh, obviously stay tuned for our weekly Facebook lives. And then let me know if there's any topics that you'd love to hear about. Stay engaged in the group. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the time to tune in. And I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, Leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.